Folks, if your financial professional tends to speak in terms of their industry jargon, it can be confusing, but it's important to have clarity, which is why I so recommend Arif Halaby of Total Financial Solutions. My wife Sue and I are Arif's clients because he provided us with such clarity. He is very knowledgeable and capable when it comes to reliable retirement income. Tune into Arif Halaby's show, The Total Financial Hour, Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM 870, The Answer. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halaby, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power. Hey, welcome to the show. Good morning. I'm Eric Halaby. Thanks for being with me. Sometimes it's a long week, isn't it? <laughs> Sometimes it, it isn't. You know, it, it's almost as if the days, if you're one of the stay-at-home folks, the days really start blending together. And so this is a good opportunity for a reset for a Sunday for all sorts of reasons, whether you're going to church or today, church online. That's how we're doing it. Uh, and what your uh, opportunities are really for learning have expanded. It used to be you had to get up and go to a brick-and-mortar place. Today, knowledge comes to you. We've talked about that before. It's why my prediction that more and more universities... Now, I think it's going to happen faster. I said between three and five years, two and five years, we would start to see. We started seeing in 2016 the collapse of many colleges and universities that didn't have big endowments that were already part of bloated government agencies, that didn't have proper management. They had people that had feelings running the numbers instead of people that had minds running the numbers. Surprise, they're going out of business. And what that does is it takes those people that thought of it as a, an educational facility, and maybe you're halfway through. right? Part of your, your challenge now for you or your kids going to college, you have to make sure that, that organization, that company, if you will, because it is, the school, is going to be in business for the next four or five or six years. You, you can't just say, I'm going to send my kid to this school and have two years of undergrad or three years, and then just before they graduate, surprise, the school's out of business. Now, what's happening with a lot of schools is they're filing bankruptcy, and then other institutions, the larger ones, the big daddy mommies in the, in the group, right, the Harvards and Cornells and Princetons and you know, Boston College, they're, they're scooping up these schools as another asset. But they're saying, we don't want the debt, we don't want as many teachers, and we don't need as much, uh, you know, stuff. So sell off that, fire those people, and we'll take the name and the real estate. And then they take it over, right? We already saw that, 2016, the numbers are huge. I think you're going to see it even greater numbers, public, private, two-year colleges, four-year universities, we've seen it. Okay, so how does that affect you? Well, I'm talking about the knowledge part of this, of this plan because this is one of the most important parts. If you are working right now, you are going to be going through the exact same thing. I mean, you might go back to work. Maybe you were working three months ago, whatever it is. The, the, the coronavirus deal, just so you, you understand, will change your Social Security for the rest of your life. 
If you are still working, expecting to collect Social Security in 15 minutes or in 15 years from now, this COVID-19 will affect you for the rest of your life. Heaven forbid if you were laid off in 2008 or 9. Heaven forbid if you were also laid off in 2000, 2001, and 2. Because it goes back 35 years. The Social Security world, what you should have been taught, probably since, let's say, age 30, right? Because that's the journey, the destination is eventually we're going to collect Social Security so that you have to learn how the numbers work so you're willing to make sacrifices, give up, tax more, you know, receive less, whatever you decide. But nobody's ever spending the time to to teach you because nobody is spending the time to educate you how the Social Security system works. Why do I say you will forever have it impacted? It's very simple. Social Security has a 35-year run rate. That means it takes the last 35 years of your income, and every year that you work, it's replacing a year of income on the back end. So in other words, if you made $0 and this year you make 100000 the 100000 replaces a zero, your average, your income for Social Security goes up because they take 35 years, add it together, divide by 35, there's a little formula, certain amount of income gets a higher percentage, et cetera. The thing that you have to understand is it takes 35 pieces. And if some of those pieces have a zero balance because you didn't earn anything, even if it's this year, right? Let's say you've worked 25 years. You're going to have one or two years right now of zeros or three. If you had 2008, maybe a 2000, maybe you had a layoff stint. So now every year that you're working, your goal is to to earn more money, right? For the social security system. But here's what's going to happen. It's not replacing the 2008 number. It's not replacing the 2020 number in which there are zeros or really low number. It's replacing whatever you were doing 35 years ago. So if you were making, let's say, $30,000 a year, it's a lot of money. Not bad back then, 35 years ago. And today you made $15,000 a year, your Social Security benefits drop. If you were laid off, drop. You might run around thinking, I'm getting my COVID check, right? I'm giving my COVID dollars, my Wuhan money, and you might cash that money. What happens? You think you're living great, but it it affects you the day you retire, unless you're going to work 35 years from today. Okay, so if you're 20 years old today and you're laid off, it's not going to impact you because 35 years will pass. Today's dollars are wiped away, and whatever the income is 35 years from now will replace today. Okay? Here's why that matters, guys. Because you may now have to delay Social Security to get the same check that you thought you were going to receive. Delay it a year or six months or two years. Because it can change your planning. And because your stay-at-home spouse has an income based on your income. In other words, let's call it a you know traditional family. She receives about 45% of your social security check. Now, here's the way it works. Either of you receive 100% of yours or about 40, 45% of your spouse's. So if you receive $2,000 a month, your spouse could receive about 900. Okay. But wait a second. Now, if your check goes from 2000 down to 1900 a month, your spouse goes from 900 down to about 850 a month. 
So you see how it affects both of your incomes. And as long as, and when one of you pass away, the lower of the two social security checks, that goes away. So now you only receive the higher one. But remember, that higher one is based on a faulty number because, remember, you were laid off in 2020. You were cashing your check and doing your jogging at two in the morning, you know, you, being in your pajamas until, I mean, right? We did all that stuff. You guys will remember the great baby boom of 2021 because of what happened in the coronavirus, right? You're going to see it. December babies, January babies. People do all sorts of things to try to feel comfortable. And one of those is, of course, being close to the ones they love. But here's the other part that I think you need to think about. Can you remember, maybe, I can, I was there both in 2000 as a financial advisor, 2008 as a financial professional. That was my job. And I can remember this. People were 64 years old. They'd come up and they'd say, yeah, if I'm going to work another four or five years, I like what I do. And then they were laid off in 20, uh, 2000, 2001, 2002. Remember, we had three years of a negative stock market. 9-11 happened, drove the world economies into the tank. Remember that? Or they were working in 2008, 2009 comes along, and they lose everything, foreclose on a house, and they say, the only answer, I can't have a job. I'm just going to take my Social Security early. So you've immediately locked in the lower income Because your Social Security check doesn't grow every year. Very, very little. Because it's based on, you know, whatever the cost of living is. So you're not receiving big checks or big numbers. And you've locked it in at 64 instead of 69 or 70 years old. So we are going to see the Social Security system, number one, is not receiving money. That's a big deal. Because you have to work. Now, many of you think your employers are this, you know, basket of dollars and they should all just be paying you for existing because you're just so amazing. (laughs) But here's how Social Security works. You put in money and your employer puts in money. That means I put in 6.2% and my employees put in 6.2%. So every time they ask for a pay raise, Social Security goes up. You ready for this? Every time they increase minimum wage the government receives more money. Not in income taxes because the number is low enough. But when they increase minimum wage, that means the employer has to pay more money per hour just off the bat. But the employee also loses more money. So if they said, I want a $2 an hour pay raise, they don't ever get $2 in their check. Maybe they receive, oh, I don't know, $1.50 or $1.30 or something by the time all the taxes are taken out. And this is pretty important. It also goes from our bucket as the employer. See, the taxes you pay aren't stashed away in like your own Social Security savings account. Instead, the Social Security Administration pools the money and uses it to cover current people. So about 81 cents of every Social Security dollar goes into a trust fund that pays for current beneficiaries, surviving spouses. Dependents of deceased workers. The remaining 19 cents goes into another trust fund that pays for disability benefits for those that are injured. So today, look, when I started speaking on this stuff 25 years ago or so, 24 years ago, it was there were six people working for every one collecting Social Security. Six working, one collecting. 
Today, we're two working for one collecting. That means two people are putting in and one person is taking out. And it's not enough money. So, what are they going to do? Right now, statistically, 2033, the monies are supposed to run out. Maybe it's going to be sooner. Maybe 2032 now because we're going to be tapping into this account a lot sooner than we thought. Because many people that are 64, 66, 67 said, you know what? I'm happy with what I do. I'm going to wait a few more years. doesn't matter to me. My income is great. And I'm going to go for the gusto. I'm going to get the big number, this, the age 70 number. Now, you're allowed to collect, just so you know, you are allowed to collect unemployment if you wanted. And you still may be able to collect Social Security. You may also collect the pension, but I would wait on the pension. Check with your rules, the rules of your uh, system, both both your CPA and uh, your, your human resources people. See whether or not how your pension was structured, how Social Security was structured. Sometimes it doesn't work. I'll give you a good example. If I have a client that's an educator and she's past age 62 and she's eligible for Social Security, not all of them are, but let's say she is, I'm going to say, I want you to collect Social Security while you are still working. Yeah, but Eric, if I, you know, they're going to take some of it back, I'm going to be taxed. You're right, they will. And you'll end up with you know, $284. But guess what happens the day you retire? You get nothing. Because now you're not collecting a paycheck anymore. You're collecting what? A pension. From, a, from an employer, from a government, you're going to get the government offset pension. So you're going to be collecting a paycheck from a government entity where you didn't add or pay into Social Security, which means you will not, in most cases, collect both. So please be careful. Do the math. Look at it and see, hey, what's happening? And I think part of what you want to do is to see, does it make sense for me to, you know, collect, to have extra cash early? Because I think you need to have a very clear understanding of how Social Security works and your benefits. And by no means can you get it from me because I'm on the radio Right. Let me give you the number, though. You can always give us a call, 888-99-RETIRE. So why do I say don't get it? For, because I want you to go directly to the Social Security office. Give them a call. Your situation is going to be different. I was married 10 years. I was married 8 years. I was married to two people over the course of 25 years. You know, one 12 years, one 13 years. Okay, well, you need to know that. Because you are eligible for certain benefits if you were divorced or if they passed away or what your age is as a widow. and right There's all sorts of other little nuances. And I want you to know. You have to know. And then you can make a decision. Eh, you know what? I'm good. I'm not going to touch it. All right, fine. You know, part of what you want to have is the understanding, should I take Social Security or, uh, early? For many of you, the answer is Yes. Whatever math you're doing is not always the best. Because the amount of money you could have saved from age 62 to age 70 may outpace you waiting till age 70. Maybe. You have to do the math on it. Do you have somebody that's a beneficiary who's expecting to receive your paycheck? Do you have retirement accounts, 401ks, right? These kind of things really decide 
All right, I'm going to give you the number again, 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. That's why I really focus on a couple of things. Reliable retirement income guarantees for you so that you don't run out of money. These are important things. And we use life insurance for your beneficiaries. I'll give you a good example of what a client did recently. They had a, a huge retirement account. He says, listen, if I pass away, I want to leave this to my wife. I said, okay, well, let's play pretend for a minute and see what kind of uh, other alternatives there might be. So we sat down, we looked at it. He's healthy. He was 64 years old. We said, what if we were to take a portion of your account and buy life insurance, which passes to your wife tax-free? So when you pass away, the big 401k check, that can go to the charity which means no taxes, you get a write-off. Check with your CPA. It also means when your wife inherits the Social Security or the pension, she receives that, but it's a lower amount. But the other big chunk of money, the other million dollars, comes from life insurance, which is tax-free. Because part of what needs to be understood is when one of you passes away, your taxes double. And when your taxes double, you have to ask yourself, where am I going to get the extra money? You say, but Eric, what do you mean my taxes double? Simple. Think of it like this. Married filing jointly. You're allowed 70000 a year, for example. Okay, married filing jointly. Now, what if you are single? Well, now you're only at 35000 That's where the same tax bracket is. 70000 35000 So if you think you're going to end up in the same bucket then you have to ask yourself, wait a second, maybe, just maybe, I better be planning for these taxes. All right, I've mentioned to you before, we're not a CPA, but I need to encourage you to bring a CPA either to our meeting if you want uh, on the phone after the third meeting, fourth We'll we'll work with them. We'll coordinate. We will build a plan taking into account your CPA, your living trust through your attorney. That's what we do, right? We're good at what we do, but the pie is big. I don't want you to ever think there's one financial person who knows everything. And I don't mean knows a little bit. We know a lot about a lot of things. Personally, right, in my own personal financial life with our clients, I mean, 24 years, long time, 34 years as an investor. All right, I get it. But every single day I deal with safer money. Every single day we work with reliable retirement income. I want a CPA who every single day works with taxes. I want an attorney who every single day works with the laws and the rules of living trusts. All right? If there's anybody financially in your life, we do everything, soup to nuts, and you go, gosh, if you do it all, what do you do good? What, what are you good at? Oh, well, I'm good at everything. I go, okay, great. Then what are you great at? And there's always a pause, and they look at you like, didn't I just answer that question? No, no, no. You said what you were good at. I don't want somebody that's good at fixing brakes on my car. I need somebody who's great at fixing. Not somebody who does the transmission on Tuesday and every once in a while will even wash cars for a living and, hey, let me fix the wiper blades and did you need your brakes fixed? Or somebody who says, you know, I work on all cars. Well, I think Japanese cars might be different than German cars, might be different than American cars. Because European cars are different than Japanese cars. I want somebody who's an expert at fixing My Japanese car every single day or my European car or my American car. I don't want somebody that, I mean, do you follow me on this? 
Many of you say, yeah, 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 or if I get it, boy, you're beating this up. And then I look back at you and I say, then why are you doing this? Why do you think the person with the two-name agency is supposed to handle your safety and your risk? Because sometimes they are good at, at risk. Wow, Eric, we were able to get 27% and the market did 17. I'm like, man, that is awesome. Whatever percentage you want at risk, you give it to that person. That sounds like they're good because they're going to lose some. But when they make it, they make it big. Now, what do you want safe? What do you mean? Well, what do you never want to lose? That's what we handle. My job is we're going to grow it with a reasonable rate of return without any fees, period. Just not going to happen. But here's the catch. The catch is there are two catches. <laughs> Number one, there is a cap or a maximum gain. You're going to earn it any one year. Maybe 10 or 12% would be the max. So if the market does four, you could earn four. If it does nine, you could earn nine. But if it does 12, that's the most you can expect if the cap is 12. 20, 30, 40, you're not going to earn it with us. That's one of the trade-offs. The second is if you want all of your money out at any one time, you have to wait. But if you're willing to take out 10% a year without any fee, you can do that. If you want all of your money out at, at any one time, you can do that next year. You could do that the year after. You just pay a fee. You see, where they are, you pay a fee every day, every year, on the same money that you pay a fee on, on the money you pay a fee on to pay a fee on. Just because. That is not how it works with us. All right? Uh, it's very simple. With us... If the market goes up, you get to earn some interest. If it goes down, you stay the same. And every year, they take a look at it. How you doing? You good? Is it up? Is it down? And if it is, then that is the new floor. The new floor of your account says we are now at this place and we will never go backwards from here. All right, so this is important. For every $50,000 in income that you make, for every 50, you have to think around 20,000 is going to come from Social Security. Okay, that's important because after 2034, they're going to reduce that even more. They'll reduce that down somewhere in the neighborhood to around sixteen dollars or $17,000. That means for every $50,000 you make, 17000 comes from Social Security. And you go, wait a second. How am I supposed to live on that? I agree. How are you supposed to live on that? Because in order for Social Security to last past 2034, 2033, right? What is that? Just 13 years from now. In order for that to happen, they're going to have to make drastic cuts. But every time they do, you guys run around and look at the ads. It's for the children. It's for old people. He wants to take away your Medicare, right? And then they, the Democrats uh, lie and they show somebody pushing off a, a cliff on a wheelchair. Granny's over the cliff. Don't vote for that man. I think you have to understand that in these, in these scenarios, right, you're going to have to be a bit wiser than normal. Because the normal world says, I listen to an ad and every time they want something from me, they say it's for the children or for old people or nurses. Today, it's about the workers. Do this for the, for the uh, you know, health care workers, emergency preparedness people. And you have hospitals all throughout the San Fernando Valley, throughout Valley County, laying off workers. They're, 
They're broke. They were fine before. Now, listen, when Obamacare came along, uh, a dozen, dozens of hospitals in California went out of business because it, it hurt hospitals the way Obamacare structured. So there were very few. And now the ones that are there are struggling, and I think you're going to see a consolidation again. And they've had to lay off people, doctors, nurses, respiratory therapists. Wait a second. Aren't those the ones that are supposed to be around for this big emergency? Yep. And we had to lay them off. So expect some sort of bond measure or something. It's for the healthcare workers. And you're going to see people in scrubs, actor portrayed right on the bottom, portrayed by an actor, reimbursed for their (laughs) – don't. They've mismanaged what they have. Don't give them more money, you guys. You, you wouldn't do that. You'd say, hey, listen, you've messed that up. Here, I'm going to give you more. Let's see if you can practice on my dime. I think you have to start holding them accountable because it's going to affect your retirement money, no question. When we come back, I'm going to give you some more ideas, tips and tricks. 888-99-RETIRE. 888-997-3847. I'm Arif Halby. Thanks for staying with me. We'll be back in just a minute on your place for news, talk, and information. This is AM870, The Answer. Strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Learn about financial power. The total financial hour. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power. The total financial hour. Hey, welcome back to the show. The Total Financial Hour. I'm Eric Halabi. Thanks for staying with me. Triple eight ninety nine retire. That's eight eight eight. Nine nine seven three eight four seven. Listen, there's a lot of craziness talk, uh, crazy talk happening with the uh, COVID thing and the, the virus and all the scenarios. I'm going to give you some some reality. I'm just going to give you dates, and I'm going to let you be the smart one in the story here. That's going to infer things. Okay, after numerous court cases, a federal appeals court ruled on February twenty fifth that the Justice Department can refuse to give crime fighting money to cities and states that consider themselves sanctuaries and refuse to share information with federal immigration authorities. Okay, this is a unanimous ruling. Not the typical Republican-Democrat split. Unanimous from a three-judge panel of the second U.S. District Court of uh, Appeals for New York City. All right, can you, you follow me on this? Not the most... You know, the bastion of conservative values. No, no, no. This is regarding Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, New Jersey, New York, Virginia, and Washington. Now, they sued. Okay, so that's interesting. All right. Huh. Made the news for, what, 10 minutes? Maybe. So President Trump starts to put in place, him him and his administration, we're not going to give money to California because you're letting illegal immigrants that are criminals back out onto the street. You're doing the sanctuary city thing. You're tying the hands of the good men and women of your police departments. And the chief and sheriff in charge of of L.A. County and L.A. City have purposely chosen to protect criminal, illegal immigrants. Now, now let that sit in for a second. You are a taxpaying person. You are somebody who works really hard. I didn't say the mother who's here you know, trying to survive. No, no, no. And they make up this story. Listen, guys, I was a Los Angeles policeman for 10 years, seven months and three days. Okay. I I wasn't the, I didn't have one of those records that, oh, the guy saved 15 kids from a burning building. It wasn't me. 
I did my job. I had fun. Did some undercover work. Did some, you know, uh, fun assignments. That was great. Car accident on the job changed my career. Long time ago. All right. With that being said, the police officers on the street really dislike this policy. I can't even use the words that they're using to describe. And the state of California and the city of Los Angeles and others have chosen to protect illegal immigrants, criminal illegal immigrants. Don't forget that word. It's not immigrants like, you know, your dad or mom came over and, you know, no, no, no. This is criminal. All right. You got it? All right. Here's why. Because about five days later, they declare a state of emergency for the COVID deal. Now, can the federal government withhold money from these states, cities, counties, when it's a health care state of emergency? Nope, they cannot. The health care state of emergency was the trigger to open up the dollars again. Then California, New York, etc., what they did is they shifted money. Because state of emergency, they shifted money. Even though in California, you dying from something like this is 0.0008%. Did you get it? There's three zeros in front of that. 37 million people and what, 2,500 pass? I, I hate if it's one person that passes away. But you don't stop driving on the highways because somebody died driving a car. You don't stop flying in planes because somebody crashes somewhere. Now, if it's your family on the plane, it's devastating. I get it. But you guys, from day one, I was one of the only voices in L.A. radio telling you something's wrong and I couldn't figure it out. I don't know what it is. We uncovered this. You ready for this? Here's why. Da-da-da-da. Last week, Gavin Newsom, the state of California had to come to the federal government again and say, we do not have enough money to pay our bills. We are tens of billions of dollars in debt. We're busy chasing around speckled uh, back fish in in Delta River smelt. We're we're busy making it difficult for employers to hire. We've chased out Gavin Newsom and Governor Brown before him chased out. Are you ready for this? 562 people a day left the state of California last year. A day. Now, that's not some left and some came. No, no, no. All of them that left, minus the ones that came, divided by, and there's your number. That means even counting the ones that came here, we still lost millions of people over the last few years, probably tens of millions. Now, you need to ask yourself, why are all of these people leaving? And are they middle class, lower income, upper income? Where where do they fit? Because that matters. Not because of good people or bad people. Don't you you put your little values on this. Don't change my words. Right? Good people are rich. Bad people are rich. Poor poor people are, are good. Some poor people are bad. I mean, you get it? On the left, on the right, poor people. Forget the your your racist, uh, bigoted approaches. And here's what they did. They took their small businesses. They took their families with three little kids, and they said, "You know what? If, I, if we better get while the getting's good, 
There's someone that wants to buy my house for you know twice what I paid for it. Here you go. I'm going to go buy something in cash, bigger, better, better school district, more common sense government. I'm out of here. And they leave. And so when they do that, they take their income with them, including their payroll tax. Right? The state of California gets paid every time you work here in payroll tax, not just an in income tax, because most of what is it? Forty four percent of Californians pay zero in state income tax. Nearly half of the Californians pay zero, nothing, nothing in, in, in income tax. Now, in payroll tax, they pay money, but they don't think about it. They don't see it. The employer has to put in, right? We have to put in another 3%. Do you put in 3%? So we both have to, to put in money. But when it comes down to the end of the story, guys, when people leave the state of California, they can come back and forth. But guess who it is? It's middle class. It's tax-paying people. Because if you're poor, this is a great place to be. When I was a policeman, I worked in West L.A. And uh, we would arrest these people because, you know, homeless people don't know the city boundaries between Santa Monica and Los Angeles. When you go down San Vicente or Bundy or they don't know where the city begins and the other city ends. They, they just crisscross. Nobody, nobody cares. So we stopped these people. <clears throat> First time I kind of figured it out. And I said, OK, do you have a driver's license? You know, you're jaywalking. You know, I need to do that. So I talked to him for a minute. I go, hey, where are you from? What are you doing? Well, you know, I'm from uh, Ohio. I said, it's a long way from Ohio. What are you doing here? And after a minute of talking to him, he said, well, here's what happened. I was homeless. I was a vagrant. I was in and out. I was getting drunk, getting in fights, in and out of hotels. And the judge says, I'm going to put you away for a year, or here's a one-way bus ticket to Santa Monica. Don't get off until the bus says you have to get off. The dead ends in Santa Monica, California. And he said, well, that's, that's not fun. Why do I want to do that? He said, listen, this is the judge. He says, in Santa Monica, they feed you on the, the city hall lawn breakfast and dinner. And it's free. The weather is amazing and nobody bothers you. And so he said, well, all right, I'll do it. So he gets on the bus. Now, I thought, oh, that's kind of cute. What, a, what an interesting way of dealing with your criminal problem is to pass the buck. And then... I started asking everybody. And for a year and a half that I worked there, we were finding that more and more people, these are just the people I contacted, had come from the Midwest and shipped out on a Greyhound bus. Because you see, if there's a sucker in the story, if there's a loser, right, the big L on their head, it's probably Southern California (laughs) because we do, oh, it's for the children. Can you take more of my money, please, and chase more businesses out? Because it's, it's for old people and nurses, firemen. We like firemen. Sometimes we don't like firemen. Right now we like them. Paramedics, doctors. Remember when we liked the police? It was for the police. For the police radios. Measure whatever. Upgrading the communication system. Well, what did you do with all the other money that we've given you? So they take a billion and they spend, I don't know, $600 million And then they say, but we need a billion. So they take $2 billion and then they get one point two. right? I don't know what they keep doing with all the money. No matter what, they're spending it. Instead of being accountable, I need to tell you guys, you have to shut off the drugs. This is the tough love part, right? When you have a child that's a drug addict or a criminal or a loser that sleeps on the couch. I don't mean a bad 
you know, their soul's going to go to hell. I don't know that. I don't judge that. It's not my job. My job is to judge behavior, right? No difference in you judging behavior. I don't want to be friends with him. I want to be friends with her. I don't like this person. I like this person. You judge behavior all day long. I want to work with them. Let's hire them. Let's fire them. Not because you think they're going to, their, their soul is, is doomed, but because you go, listen, that person just doesn't work. I judge behavior. You better do the same. Because at the end of the story, one plus one is still two. It, it doesn't matter how big of a heart you have or not. If the system collapses because you feel like one plus one might, might be six, or if I really, really feel and I hold a sign in front of City Hall, one plus one is nine. Or if I'm a union and I'm negotiating and it's for the children or for teachers, because we all love teachers, uh, one plus one must be 12. Guys, it doesn't work that way. You need to hold people accountable that are your elected officials. And if they don't understand math, then you tell them, go take an accounting course. Because your state politicians are chasing people away. And now you go, okay, Earth, retirement. What does that have to do? Ready? Very simple. Many of you say you want to still retire in the state of California. You love the weather. I don't blame you. I love the weather. But when they start mandating things, I mean, do you hear the governor? And I don't know how many of these are laws or if they're just rules or guidelines. They keep saying guidelines as if, it, as if you have a chance to not follow it. And then they shut down the beach that I paid for. Give me my tax dollars back that are proportionate to that. Right? I don't, 82 cents. I don't care. Give us all back. 82 cents. I'll take it. Right? And you take police officers and firefighters that, and paramedics and, and lifeguards that are supposed to be doing other things and you put them on a beach. It, this is like Stalin. Like, what, what are you talking about? And then what you do is, is Fauci comes along. Listen, he sounds like a very smart guy, but it, nobody elected him, just so you know. And, and I have no idea if he understands accounting. And I couldn't care less if he's a good man or a bad man. Right now, we didn't hire him for that. If he has, you know, faithful to his wife or not. I, that's not my business. I'm not judging that behavior because it doesn't matter. He is an amazing epidemiologist, uh, doctor, got it. And then you have an amazing economist. We didn't hire, uh, you know, uh, some of these guys. We hired the president. And we said, President, your job is to weigh both of them and to come up with a solution. But when he says things like, you know, how many people do you want? How many are you willing to let die before you open the economy? I, I mean, did you actually just say that? Because you just told people how stupid you are. And we all thought you were a pretty smart guy. Now, I don't mean in, me- in medicine, right? Don't hire me to fix your car. you want a problem with your car hire me i'll fix it i have no clue every time i tried something i'd always have pieces and parts and screws and bolts left over i don't know man i don't know just throw them away it looks like they were here that's not my job right so don't let me comment on whether you should have a bigger muffler or fancier headers or i don't even know what i'm saying I, i don't know don't don't take my opinion don't take this man's opinion on the economy it's not his job how many people are you going to have dead? So you're saying we shouldn't have trains because sometimes people get hit on the train track? Maybe we shouldn't have cars. Maybe we shouldn't have an electric grid because I've seen somebody get electrocuted once. How many people are you willing to have 
die from electrocution in order so you can actually have lights that work. I think you need to think about that, America. You guys need to put your foot down. I get you get your all, you, you know, your free cash. But there are many of you that don't. Can you imagine that they've that they've decided who was essential and who wasn't? The virus doesn't live at Costco. The virus doesn't live at Trader Joe's or in your grocery store, but it does live in your hair salon or your nail salon. It, it doesn't exist if you have an emergency and you go to your doctor, but it does exist if you're going for, uh, you know, some sort of voluntary surgery. Right? We wanted to have the capacity open. Great. For two weeks, no procedures. We look around. We look left and right. Yeah, you know what? It's pretty good. Open it up. And then when you have somebody like Gavin Newsom who thinks that the answer is to fix things or Governor Cuomo. Do you understand? For two years, I have friends that are doctors in New York. For two years, they've been wearing trash bags as their PPE equipment. Not since March. For two years, they, the hospitals have not been able to get, some of them have not been able to get gowns. It's become a joke. They wear a trash bag. They, they stick their arms through like a Halloween costume. I'm just waiting to see a big M on it. Oh, I'm a chocolate M&M. You know, that's what you're waiting for. This isn't serious. I thought it was a Halloween prank. And they said, no, 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 Harif, really? And then this comes out, and the phony news uses pictures. If you think you're going to retire, this is a great place. This is a great time for you to look around and decide what place you want to retire in. How are they handling this mess? Take a look. We want to retire in Oregon. Let's look at the rules. Let's look at how they're handling it. Is there people with common sense making the rules? Right? Are, are there people with common sense making the rules in Texas and Idaho and Utah? And the answer is yes. Look at South Carolina, how, the common sense in North Dakota, in Mississippi. Right? The, there's something missing in some of these people. Why do you think this is the time when you can look? This is the, the looking into the future where you can go back and say, huh. We had a pretty big crisis. It was a national crisis. Let's see how the pompous nephew of Nancy Pelosi handled this. Right? You realize there are three San Franciscans, three people from San Francisco that run this country. Nancy Pelosi, Dianne Feinstein, and Gavin Newsom. Right? California, one of the, the largest economies in the world. Dianne Feinstein who will who will forever be referenced by me as the lady that had for over 20 years a Chinese spy as her personal aide, manager, assistant, and uh, office person. A Chinese spy. Not me. It's not a game. I, I didn't make this up. It's the FBI. Look it up. Look it up. 20 years in her office as her driver, listening to every single national conversation on armed services, on intelligence, all the documents sitting on her desk. Oh, is anybody there? Hello? <laughs> really? Come on. So we have her and we have Nancy Pelosi, who is Nancy No. Everything she does is no. So who knows? Every time there's a judge pick, you know, for the for the federal government, that's really what Mr. President Trump has said. 
is that his job was to fix the judges because that is a legacy that goes beyond. Get them back to working for the people and not for special interests. But pretty surprising, huh? A unanimous ruling from a three-judge panel said no more money for sanctuary cities. Surprise. A few days later, national state of emergency. When just a couple days before, Cuomo and all of the folks in New York were saying, go out, go out under the streets, Chinese New Year, go out on the streets, go to the parades. Don't let anybody say this virus isn't real. And President Trump said, you know, there's a problem. We're going to shut down. And yet Governor Cuomo in New York was like, oh, no, it's not a problem. What do you mean a problem? And surprise, they didn't have ventilators. They didn't have gowns. They had nurses wearing trash bags for a couple of years. Look, I don't like everything this president says. Uh, I mean, listen, frankly, I'm like most of you. I'd wish he would just not say something sometimes and not tweet something sometimes. I just wish that. I mean, that would be like Arif's perfect world. Well, one, it would be, uh, you know, a house on the beach. And two would be to have the president say, you know, less dumb things. <laughs> that would be my, that'd be Arif's dream day. But do I go back to this now? Ready? Do I care what he says or do I care about his behavior? That's, that's the question. I want to be able to retire someday like you want to retire someday. I want to have my money safe and protected and grown like you want to have your money safe and protected and grow. The job of our president is to do things. Sometimes he says things I don't like. I get it. But I'd prefer somebody who says things that sometimes are dumb and does amazing things in a job. Because we had the opposite with President Obama, didn't we? Eloquent, well-spoken, presidential, and screwed the country. Really took care of the military in, in such a difficult way that, that men and women that were in the military... It turned out to be like a, a second-rate military for a while as far as equipment and training. 30% of the planes were flyable. <laughs> that, means, that means you had planes that were, were on the ground because we didn't have equipment. It's like in the old Soviet Union. They didn't have fuel, so people couldn't fly. Everybody would take turns flying the same jet because the, you didn't have three jets that could go up. So this president has changed the military, changed our international posture. When it comes to your retirement and you're going to look at a governor, you need to look at the governor and say, is this where I see the decision-making process that I see that is a place for my future? And many of you are saying, no way. I'm going to go to Florida. I'm going to go to Texas. 2019, our numbers are in. Eight out of 10 of our clients that retired left the state. 2019, 80%. Just 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it was one or two out of 10. And so as people are leaving, now why are people staying? Some, they're just wealthy enough. They hate it, but they don't care about the taxes when it comes to the weather and their family. You know what? I'm willing to do it. I have enough money. I'm not worried about it. Okay. For some, that's how they go. For others, they say, you know, listen, my kids are here and I'm willing to work a couple more years because I only have one child and I want them to be here and I want to be next to them and I want to be with them. And so that's the way it goes. I'm going to stick. But for many of you, you're like, hey, listen, there's a there's a plane that's really close to me, uh, an airport, 
And so I want to live in this other place. And so I'm going to jump on a plane. And by lunchtime, I could be on a plane by 8 o'clock at one of these smaller airports around the country. And by noon, I could have lunch with my grandchildren. And even be home the next day or later that day. And so for a lot of you, it's not just lifestyle, it's quality. But you can have a vacation home in California. Stay here less than six months out of the year. No problem. People do. You can have a vacation home in other parts of the country and go back and forth. The point is, when we are losing people in the state of California, we are losing the ones with the money, with the income. We are losing the ones that have the ability to pay taxes and not take a job. You see, California is brilliant. Arkansas, is, uh, I'm sorry, Florida is brilliant. Arkansas is brilliant. Many places, Mississippi, they don't tax your retirement income, your pension income. They don't tax Social Security, your pension why? Because they're, hey, retiree, we, we want you to come here. And when you come there to live, you're going to spend money. When you spend money, you are providing jobs. But you're not taking a job. Hey, that's a pretty good idea. Spend money, provide for other people to have a job because you're buying stuff, right? Food, shelter, clothing, whatever. So look at a different state, but you're going to spend a couple. I want to do this on a future show. How do you do uh, mock retirement? How do you plan? How do you prepare? Triple eight ninety nine retire. I'm going to give you the number again. So grab your pen and paper uh, because I want. If this is something you want me to talk about, I'll, I'll bring it up. But give us a call at the office eight 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 nine nine seven three eight four seven. Mock retirement on a future show. Yeah. How do you pretend? How do you plan? How do you prepare? Triple eight ninety nine retire. 888-997-3847. I'm Eric Hallaby on the Total Financial Hour. On your place for news talk and information. This is AM870, The Answer. Every dollar's got a job to do. Arab makes your money work for you.